Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. There you go, Fueled. We're starting a series today called Fueled about how to be powered or fueled by the Holy Spirit. And so I'm looking forward to jumping into this series today. Before I do, let me welcome our guests that are with us. Can you join me in giving a great welcome to anybody that's new? Thank you for coming today. Also, before I step into my message, I want to acknowledge that it is election week and I want to encourage you to vote and vote your values. I believe that Christians should be the best citizens in America and support our political process by exercising our right to vote and honor those who fought for that right and even died for that right. And so we should vote. Amen. Now, why do we vote? Why do we vote? Let me give you a, let me give you a thought about why we vote. Um, because, because for Harry and I, we are, we're passionate about the political process, not because we are about right and left and about, you know, donkeys and elephants. And it's not about winning. It's about the, the, um, the morality of a nation. It's about the righteousness of a nation. It's not about Harriet and I, but it's about the, the nation that our children's and our children's children and their children's children that they're going to be in. And let me tell you, for me, it's not as much about economy, which is important, but it's about the biblical foundations, the, the values that are established in our nation. And so I believe that voting is how we can exercise justice and righteousness in society. We want God's will to be done in America and voting according to biblical values is one of the ways we can partner with God for our great USA. Amen, church. Quick, quick video for you. Check it out. Amen to that. We have a table that's outside in the lobby. If you have questions about voting, if you need voter guides, we'd be glad to assist you. Please stop by the table on the way out. Amen, amen. Well, let me pray as we jump into our series. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for our nation. God, we honor those who are in authority. And God, we uh, pray that in this election cycle that you would place into position those people that you want. Lord, I pray that you would use your church, our church, the church in America, all the Christians, that we would vote according to our values and help shape the future and the destiny of America. And so God, we pray this. I pray over the message today. I pray for every soul that's in this room that you would use this to further us, to build our faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, our series called Fuel, it's about the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. If you hang with us for the next four weeks, here's what I want to teach you today. I want to teach you about activating the Holy Spirit. Next week, we want to talk about how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. The following week after that, we'll talk about how the Holy Spirit works through us to advance the kingdom. And then the last week of our series will be about how the Holy Spirit empowers us to believe for miracles. And so I hope you'll be a part of all of that. 
Um, to get started though, I know that there are people in the room that are brand new to the topic of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you haven't been a part of our church long. Maybe you're brand new today and you're like, I'm, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. And so I have a quick verse for you out of the book of Acts chapter 19. And this is about a group of people who have recently become believers. And it said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have never heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so, you know, there's a lot of people today that are right there. And so I hope through this series, it really helps you to, to learn about the Holy Spirit. There are others of you that have been in our church for a while. And you know, if you've been here for very long, I talk about the Holy Spirit on a pretty consistent basis. I like to train and equip our church in that area. And some of you may be thinking, well, I've already heard all this. I've heard, Tim, I've heard you say this over and over and, and probably true. I, I hope to present it in a fresh way for you today. But, but I hope for you today that have heard or know about the Holy Spirit, that in my teaching, that it stirs within you the gift of God. I want to maybe fan into flame the gift of God. I want to remind you about how amazing the gift of God, the spirit is inside of you. And so your verse is second Timothy one six. And it says for this reason, this is the apostle Paul talking to a pastor named Timothy. And he says, I remind you. And so for many of you, I'm here just to remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. My title today is Activating the Holy Spirit. And so I want to flip the switch of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I think that the Holy Spirit, the whole topic about the Holy Spirit is probably one of the most misunderstood and neglected topics in the church, neglected part of the Godhead. Most people kind of have a, an understanding about who God the Father is, maybe because we understand a, a, a natural father. We've seen or, or have had a natural father. Maybe you had a, not a great father, but we can understand a spiritual father, a good father. Uh, we can somewhat understand the, the, you know, the God as the son, Jesus. We read about in scriptures about the flesh and blood of Jesus. We, we see his activities. And so we can relate to that. But oftentimes when it comes to the Holy Spirit, who is equally God, we, we struggle to understand or we find it difficult or challenging to understand because we don't have a framework to understand the unseen spiritual world because it's unseen, it's, it's spiritual. It's sometimes in a way mystical to us and, and maybe we don't grasp it as well. Maybe it seems strange to you to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you um, have some maybe like perspectives about the Holy Spirit and you think, well, the Holy Spirit's strange. Uh, some of you may have um, even, you know, grown up in some, maybe a generation right before my generation, maybe part of my generation, but, but we didn't refer to the Holy Spirit. We said he was the Holy Ghost. And so we liked that term. So if you hear that, you're like, wow, the Holy Ghost. But I'll just say to you, and here's what we used to say back then is if you, if you've got, uh, let's, let me say it again. Um, try it again. You've got the most when you have the Holy Ghost. And that's what we used to say. Like, you know, so that's what we loved that, you know, and that got us all fired up. And anytime we said that, everybody said, amen. And so let's just try it. You've got the most when you have the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right. All right. So Thank you. Um, some people grew up in Pentecostal backgrounds or maybe I'll call it um, charismatic churches. And that's kind of what I grew up in, the charismatic church. And you've seen 
You've seen people act really weird when they feel the Holy Ghost touch their life and and you're like, "Mm, I don't know about all that weird. Let me just tell you that the Holy Spirit does not make people weird. Those people were weird before the Holy Spirit touched them. They were already weird. It just, they, just, they just said, hey, I'm blaming it on the Holy Spirit. And so that's how some were. Some of you come from a background that taught that the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased to operate with the original apostles. There's a, a term for that. It's called cessationism. And it means that the the gifts of the Spirit ceased to operate with the original apostles. There are churches that would teach that if there's a church that teaches about the gifts of the Spirit and that they are still in operation like us, there are some churches that teach that we would be in error to do that. And so people put up walls and and they they have apprehensions about the Holy Spirit in all of these ways. And so I just want to let you know that regardless of your past, I would love for you to take this series and just lay that down and allow God to speak to you in a fresh new way about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to preach straight out of the word of God. And so if you trust the word of God, then you can trust the information about the Holy Spirit. And when people have incomplete information or they have Um, an immaturity about the Holy Spirit, it limits their relationship with the Holy Spirit and his activity in our life. And we don't want that. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is not an optional package that comes along with salvation. Like it's not like if you were to go buy a car and you're sitting with a salesman and you said, I want a car that has a sunroof. And he says, well, I have everything you want. I just don't have that option. And you go, well, it's not that important. I can go forward. Well, listen, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's not an optional package that you can choose to not participate in. It is essential. The Holy Spirit is essential for our walk with God. And so that's why I'm teaching about it because I want you to understand and operate in all that God has for your life. And so that's my introduction. Let's get started with the, with the Holy Spirit uh, series today. I, I would recommend to you that you write down that you should go read the book of John chapter 14, 15, and 16. It's all about the Holy Spirit and Jesus's conversation with the disciples about the Holy Spirit. So that's John 14, 15, 16. But I'll give you a little little summary of what you're going to read. What he says to his disciples, he says that very soon I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And then I'm going to be resurrected back to life. And so he tells his disciples that. And then he says to them that when I do come back to life, I'm going to present myself to you, but then I'm going to go ascend and be with the father and sit on the throne beside the father. And he said, then I need you guys, the disciples, I need you all to start a movement of churches that will make more disciples of Christ all over the world. And so that's what John 14, 15 and 16 is all about. Just teaching them that soon he will die, resurrect, go to the father, um, and then It's your job to carry this thing forward. So if you can just picture these disciples, they have given up their families and their businesses and their homes to to follow Jesus and to assist him in his ministry. They followed him for about three years. And now he says to them, I'm leaving you. And they have come to the place where they completely depend 
on Jesus leading them and guiding them and encouraging them. They were completely dependent on him. And now he says, I'm leaving you. And not only am I leaving you, I need to carry out the mission that I started. And then he said, oh, by the way, here's a little bonus feature for you disciples. Um, the whole world is going to hate you and you're going to be persecuted. Go for it. And so as you can imagine, the disciples, they were anxious about Jesus leaving. So Jesus goes on to say to them, he says, do not be worried. Do not be troubled because when I go to be with the father, I will send you a helper who is the Holy Spirit. And so this is the verse that we find in John chapter 14, 26. And Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name. And so he's teaching them that when he goes, the Holy Spirit will come to be with them and to be their helper. And then he went on to say, not only is he coming to help you, but this is going to be your benefit. This is going to be your advantage that I go away. It will be better for you. And in John 16, Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you, speaking to his disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So the helper. In the Greek language, the original language that, that we don't often you know, read because none of us probably understand Greek. So I looked it up and the Greek word for helper and Holy Spirit is parakletos. And so the definition of parakletos gives us a lot of understanding about who the Holy Spirit is. And that definition means to come alongside as a helper. So if you consider the disciples who followed Jesus, you know, they were coming alongside Jesus. They were following close to him and he was their helper. But now as Jesus says, he's ascending to the father, he is sending another helper, the Holy Spirit. The definition goes on and completes out by saying that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He will comfort you. He will be with you. He is a guide. He is as one who strengthens another. And so the Holy Spirit comes to us, lives with us, in us, and becomes the parakletos in our life. And so I love to just consider the, the reality of, of the Holy Spirit being in our life. Just imagine, if you will, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, which he does if you know Christ. And just think about this, that every place you go, the Holy Spirit goes with you. Like you, it's not like you can say, hey, Holy Spirit, I need you to stay at home because I'm going to go over here. And he's like, no, I'm with you. Wherever you go, I'm going. Now, the benefit of that is, is that wherever you go, he goes. So if you are going to school, then the Holy Spirit is with you. The comforter, your strengthening one is with you. Maybe you have a sales call and you're nervous about your sales call. Listen, you're not going alone. You have the Holy Spirit. He goes with you. Maybe you're going to, to your family's house and, and wherever you go, the Holy Spirit goes. Wherever you go, his presence goes. Maybe you're going home to Thanksgiving and so maybe you're 
family dynamics are difficult at times. And you're like, I'm really dreading Thanksgiving this year, but you don't have to dread Thanksgiving because the presence of God who is in you is going to go eat turkey with you. He's going with you. He's going with you wherever you go. Listen, you carry God's presence into every situation. One of the reasons we encounter spiritual warfare in our life is that we walk into places where, where we sense the either like difficult situations and maybe places where we'd say that, that, you know, there's demonic activity or maybe you're going to school where God is not glorified and you are carrying the presence of God with you wherever you go, his presence goes. And so you're going to encounter light and dark in those moments. And so it's just the reality of it. You carry the presence of God. I like to think of it like this though, the creator of heaven and earth, the all powerful, all knowing and miraculous wonder working God has given us his spirit to be in us, to be our personal helper. Amen to that. That's amazing. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, 11, it says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The spirit, the same spirit, like get your mind around the fact that that same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus to life, that full miraculous power of God now lives inside you and I inside of you, the supernatural power of God is there. I often teach it like this and I've done it here. I'll do it again, but I teach people to, to put your hand on your chest when you think about the Holy Spirit. And in, in my mind, it just helps me to visualize that right behind the palm of my hand is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives inside of me. He's right there and everywhere I go. And so now when I, now whatever I do, just before I preached a few minutes ago, sitting right back there in a chair and I was like, Holy Spirit, I know you're right there. Would you go before me? Would you help me preach your words today and say what you want to say? And every time I go into any environment, I can just place my hand right there and go, oh, I'm not alone today. I've got the power of God. If I'm going to pray for someone who's sick, it's not me going to pray. I'm carrying the presence of God into that situation and he is going to pray through me. And everything that the Holy Spirit has ever done in the past is possible for now and in the future because the same spirit, the same one that raised Christ from the dead has come all the way to you and I. The Bible says in these next three verses, Galatians 5, 16, 18, 25, it says that we walk by the spirit. We are led by the spirit and we live by the Spirit of God. And what I'm saying to us, church, is that the Holy Spirit should be a huge part of your life. As a matter of fact, I believe that along with the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit is how God leads us and helps us today. I don't think the Holy Spirit is an optional package for you and I. 
If we're going to be led, if we're going to be walking and living by the Holy Spirit, we need to understand how he operates in our life. And so for the next few minutes, I want to share with you four encounters that you'll have with the Holy Spirit. These are progressive in nature. This is how the Holy Spirit introduces himself to us. And there's a progression of four encounters that we'll have with the Holy Spirit. And so the first encounter that you will have with the Holy Spirit is number one, that the Holy Spirit convicts the lost. The Bible says in John, remember, go read the book of John 14, 15, and 16. It says that when he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin. The spirit of God is at work and he is touching hearts. He is orchestrating events. He is helping people see their need for a savior. The Holy Spirit is in some way showing people that their sin is leading to eternal separation from God. And I want you to know that I am so grateful that the Holy Spirit somehow, some way opened up my heart to be drawn closer to Christ and know my need for a savior. Years ago, I was 11 years old and my mom took me to a Billy Graham crusade in Asheville, North Carolina. And at that moment, while he was preaching, the Holy Spirit got involved with his words and began to speak to my heart. And I can remember so plainly an, an invitation to come down front to meet Jesus. And at that moment, I'm 11, but my heart is thumping inside of me. And that was the Holy Spirit drawing me to come to know Jesus. And that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that he is using and working in our world today. I'm so grateful that he's at work. Can I get an amen? amen. Oftentimes people find themselves in situations where their heart is open to hear about forgiveness and to hear about salvation. And in those moments, the Holy Spirit begins to work and draw people to Christ. So the first encounter that any of us have with the Holy Spirit, the first introduction we have is where he is drawing our hearts to Christ. The second encounter that you will have with the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. The book of John chapter 14 says the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Why can the world not receive the spirit? Well, because they have not been drawn there yet. Their hearts have been closed to the spirit of God. And it says, because they neither see him or know him, but you know him for all those who heart open. And it says, for he dwells with you and will be in you. At Salvation Church, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. He comes into your life and you become spiritually alive. The Bible uses terms like you are made new. Uh, you are a new creation. The old life without God is gone and the new life with the Holy Spirit has begun. Like that's what happens at salvation. Most people, when they 
begin a relationship with God and, and they experience the, the presence of the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of them, they begin to experience just supernatural peace in their life because suddenly they realize that their sins of their past are forgiven and they get a brand new life, a brand new start in God. I've seen people have tears of joy at the moment of salvation. There's overwhelming gratitude when people first experience salvation in their life and, and the Holy Spirit coming to indwell them. When you become a believer, you will experience the Holy Spirit taking up residence in your life. He moves in, he unpacks his bags, and he stays with you forever. He is present. As a matter of fact, his presence is with you forever. That's the second way you will get to know the Holy Spirit is that he indwells you. Now, the third way that you'll encounter the Holy Spirit, if, and I mean that, like understand there's a, a moment here of if, if you do this, if you commit to following the Holy Spirit, if you commit to regularly attend church, if you commit to learning to read your Bible, if you commit to prayer, if you commit to spiritual disciplines, then you will encounter the Holy Spirit in this third way. And the Holy Spirit transforms the committed. Like you have to make a decision that I want to grow in the Lord. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force you to behave in any particular way. But if you are committed to following him and spiritual practices, he will transform your life. After your salvation, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our life. And if you're committed to him, he'll begin to change you. He'll begin to transform you. He'll begin to, to make you in to the person that God has always wanted you to be. The moment you begin to commit yourself to the transformation process, then you will experience freedom in your life. You'll experience freedom from the past wounds of your life. He will begin to lead you and, and direct you and to free you from the shame of things that were in your past. He will begin to free you from bitterness and rejection in your life. The Holy Spirit will help you forgive people that have hurt you in your life. And we all know we get hurt and need to learn to forgive people. Amen. He will even graciously point out places in our life that are not pleasing to God. He will help us see how we need to change. He will begin to work on our attitudes and our behaviors. That's the Holy Spirit at work in us. He does all of this so that we can be free from the bondages that have come into our life as a result of sin. And I believe that God will bless you more and more as you are committed to the Holy Spirit changing your life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, Chapter 3, 16 and 18, it says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, so this is when they've given their life to Christ, the veil is taken away. Now they can see. It says, for the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, and let me just take this in another way of understanding, wherever the spirit is Lord in your life, 
Like whenever he becomes the Lord of your life, it says there, right there in that place is where you find freedom. He brings freedom into your life if you're committed to the transformation process. Verse 18 goes on to say, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more and more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Amen. So listen, it's a process. You're going to get saved. You're still going to be the same, you know, natured person, but now the spirit of God lives in you and he begins to talk to you and lead you into a place of change in your life. Amen. That's the third way. The fourth way, the fourth encounter you'll have with the Holy Spirit is the activation of his power to miraculously work through you in your life. So the fourth thing, the fourth encounter is the Holy Spirit empowers the workers. He empowers the workers. Those that want to make a difference with their life. The Bible says in Luke 10, 2, it says the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And so I use the word workers intentionally because those who want to make a difference with their life for the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit will work through you for God's purposes. Now, if you'll remember, I was teaching you that Jesus said to his disciples that it was to their advantage that he went away and God would send the Holy Spirit to them. And, and Jesus did, in fact, ascend back to the Father. And he told the disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Go there and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And so they did. And just as promised, the Holy Spirit came fell on these disciples and they were filled and they were overcome by the spirit of God. If you read in the book of Acts, it's an amazing story. When it fell on him, when the Holy Spirit fell on them, the supernatural power of God came upon them as well. And so this is what the Bible says in Acts 1.8. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. And listen, church, the purpose of the power of God is not for you. It is for you to be used to advance the kingdom of God. God's not going to give you all of this power to make you feel good. He's already done that by filling you with his spirit. He's going to give you the power to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And sure enough, in the upper room, the disciples felt the spirit of God come upon them. They were activated for the power of God. The book of Acts is a fantastic read, all about the acts of the Holy Spirit. And from the moment that they received the power of God, they were a changed group of leaders. The Bible says that from that point on, these disciples began boldly preaching about Jesus and thousands upon thousands of people were saved after they had been activated in the Holy Spirit. Throughout the book of Acts, you read that they prayed for and healed the sick 
as they went about their, their day. At one point, the Bible says that the power of God was so strong on the apostle Peter that when they knew Peter was going to be walking into town, they would bring the sick people and lay them or sit them on the sides of the street so that the shadow as the sun cast on Peter, his shadow would release the power of the Holy Spirit and heal people that were just laying on the ground and the shadow touched. That's the power of the Holy Spirit being activated we read through the stories that they freed people from demonic oppressions. They overcame the attacks of the, men, of, of the enemy with spiritual warfare. They began to use new language about the Holy Spirit. They, they would say things like Barnabas and Paul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. And so they attributed their activities and their, their decision-making based off of what the Holy Spirit was saying to them. One time Paul said that he was directed by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. These early disciples, they, they, they sparked a whole new language when God came upon them and they began to speak in tongues. And they prayed with such intensity one time that the Holy Spirit shook the whole house that they were in. Now that's the power of the Holy Spirit. They saw God open prison doors and they saw one time a, a snake, a viper, latch onto the apostle Paul's arm and bite him, but it did not harm him. They, they served one another according to spiritual gifts. They, they were um, enthusiastic about their worship and they were, they were overwhelmed with joy even during difficult times and persecution. That's the power of the Holy Spirit activated in their life. Amen. But listen, I tell you that because that same spirit that worked through them is still alive today. And to be honest with you, through this whole moment here, I've said they, and I've referenced some time back then, but I am ready for we and now. Amen. I'm ready for the church to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit, and we begin to see God move in those same ways. I want to see someone have to write stories about all that God is doing in Wilmington, North Carolina, through a church that embraces the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you today that you can step into the realm of the supernatural life when you activate the power of Holy Spirit inside of you. And so how do we do that? Number one is you need to understand this progression. You need to understand the, the relationship part of with the Holy Spirit and that it starts with the Holy Spirit convicting you that, that you need to be saved. The second progression is that the Holy Spirit indwells us. So the moment you say yes, he comes to live inside of you. And then I believe that you need to make a commitment to spiritual growth. I don't believe that the Holy Spirit will operate in its most powerful form through your life if you're not submitted to spiritual growth in your life. And so I believe it's important that we surrender to the, the growth process in our life. And last, I believe that you need to genuinely desire to make a difference with your life for the kingdom of God. There needs to be a hunger for that. 
I read about these apostles who Jesus sent to Jerusalem to wait. And, and not only did they wait in an upper room, but they were, they were praying earnestly for God to move and send the Holy Spirit. They weren't casual about this. This wasn't like, hey, this all sounds real cool. Let's just check that out. No, that wasn't the heart. There was hunger. There was passion. There was enthusiasm. There was determination to encounter the Holy Spirit in their life. And I think that's just important for us as we desire to see God move in our life. And then last, I believe you need to just have a moment where you are activating the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.6, it says this, it says, for this reason, I remind you. So those who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then today's a great reminder to fan into flame. But how did this young pastor, Timothy, how did that happen in his life? And it happened, it says, which is in you through the laying on of my hands for the spirit of God. So when he laid hands, when Paul prayed for him, laid hands on him, prayed for him, the spirit of God came upon him and that's where he began to have his boldness and he had power and love and self-discipline in his life. And so what we're gonna do today, because it's already 1233, and so we have amazing kids that are in there and all you parents, praise God for our amazing kids workers, but they're done. So they're ready for you to come get your children. Um, so, but I don't wanna miss a moment of praying for you. And so we're gonna have in just a moment, Lachlan's gonna come up and he's gonna close out our service. And then Harriet and I are gonna go right out through those doors out there. And if you want us to pray for you, to lay hands on you and pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be activated in your life, then I'm going to ask you to go out those doors and go down that hallway and we'll pray for you. And then you can circle back around this way. And when you circle back this way, you can help the breakdown team clean up because you've been empowered now. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. That means you may have some muscles that you didn't know you had and you're like, oh, I can pick that up. And so just be prepared when you circle back through, we got a job for you to do. So don't come, I'm just kidding, sort of. Um, so I want to close with this last thing. I've played with you, but listen, I would love for no one to move for this moment, such an important moment. If you've never surrendered your life, if you've never had the Holy Spirit come live inside of you, as I've talked about today, here's your step. You need to know you're loved by God. He loves you. He cares about you. You need to know that all of us have sinned and that's what separated us. Jesus paid the price for our sin. And if you believe in Jesus as your savior, he will forgive you and the Holy Spirit will come to live inside of you. If you'll just say yes to the gift of God. Would you bow your heads? Is there anybody in the room today that will raise your hand to me and say, Pastor Tim, today I wanna receive the Holy Spirit in my life. I wanna be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I see your hands or anybody else. Let's all say this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. He died for my sins so that I can be forgiven and free. I turn to Jesus. I receive forgiveness today. And now in this moment, would you send your spirit to dwell in me? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. For those that raise your hand, I'm so proud of you. We all want to celebrate with you. God bless you.